0: So when we say happy birthday, um, you know, it's not just us blowing out candles and cakes. It's us saying, yeah, damn, we did that, you know, so we really did. And it's because of the leadership that you provide, Christina. So congratulations and happy birthday to
1: all of us. And that was Ifi Malo, the co-founder and CEO of Clean Technology Hub, which focuses on rural electrification and renewable energy. And this is the Power for All podcast. It's a forum for leaders working to end energy poverty. And I'm your host, Christina Skirka, Power for All founder and CEO. So this year, Power for All is turning seven. When we turned five, we started doing a proper celebration and gathering our extended friends and family through the digital doors of our podcast to reminisce and look ahead a little bit. And there's really no one i'd rather have this conversation with today than ify um you know Iffy is an incredible woman and uh it's been such a source of pride for me to see her turn into such an incredible leader and create such a powerful organization in nigeria which we're going to hear a little bit about today but her work continues to focus on clean energy tech energy access and climate change mitigation Um, And just for the record, she does hold a massive number of degrees, including a master's in law from Harvard, and she has some graduate diplomas, so on and so forth. I'm actually gonna embarrass her, uh, which I'm sure you can see her turning red digitally right now, Um, but it's also worth mentioning that she's a Desmond Tutu Fellow, an Eisenhower Fellow, and that's just a few of the many uh, amazing titles that she can associate with her name. Ify is power for all OG. That is the number one criteria for today's conversation in my mind. She worked with us as country director in Nigeria, starting all the way back in 2016. And she's gone on to be a key player and game changer in the sector. And it's just such a pleasure to speak with her today. Uh, But before we get into the conversation, for those of you joining us for the first time, Power for All is a global campaign of over 300 partners around the world dedicated to ending energy poverty faster. At Power for All, we believe that everyone should have access to the opportunities and quality of life that comes with access to reliable, affordable, and sustainable energy. As a 501c3 charitable organization, Power for All does depend on the generosity of listeners like you. So if you enjoy this podcast, please consider supporting our work at powerforall.org slash donate. Welcome, Iffy Hey,
0: it's great to be here, Christina. Wow, seven years. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> you should be telling me I don't look a day over one. <laughs> well, but- I mean, there's just so many directions we could take this podcast, and we're going to spend a little bit of time um, going down memory lane, Um, but I always do like to spend uh, a few moments with our guests, hearing a little bit about how you ended up in the position you're in today, which is holding court uh, in Nigeria, really. I mean, there are so many organizations that work with and through Cleantech Hub to make an impact uh, in Nigeria. So maybe just spend a few minutes, take us through your career journey. Like, were you planning a career in energy? Uh, you know, how did you take this turn? Just a few minutes, walk us through. Sure. Um, so
0: <laughs> I think, you know, where I can start from where I am now. So I run Clean Tech Hub. I've been running it since, you know, since Power for All. Um, as Christina mentioned, I am one of the OGs. I think I joined Power for All shortly after they started, about eight months after it had started. Um, And it was a group of, you know, very, very committed individuals who had come together to buy into this idea around decentralized renewable energy being the focal point for how to get energy access into the hands of people. Um, And and this, like I said, this was an idea that took a life of, of its own. But even more for me was, the operational way in which power was handed over to people who were running country programs or who who were even members of the global team and had portfolios they had to manage. Um, That independence and and that trust that Power for All gave us to to shape the energy access conversations and the projects um, that come out of it is actually what has led me to what I'm doing today at Clean Tech Hub. And, you know, when you have that autonomy to have the conversations that need to be had in the language that needs to be had and in country specific ways i think there is nothing more empowering for um you know for country level staff um in to be able to drive whatever ideas of vision that you have so in terms of my career trajectory i worked i moved back to nigeria i think in 2011 from the u.s i had lived in the u.s for many years and then started working for the nigerian government worked for the minister of finance and then the minister of power um at senior level, the senior advisory levels. Um, and then when the government that I worked with uh, transitioned out of power, I then started to work for power for all. and and it was a three year amazing ride, <laughs> you know, <laughs> taking on the the craziest dreams and and turning them into reality um, and achieving so much, you know at the end of the day. And then I started clean tech hub when when that contract ended, when that work ended. So yeah, that's how I'm here.
1: Well, and, and, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many people who are working in the energy access space today that didn't necessarily come to it from a direct energy background. But yet there's so many skills from other sectors that this sector needs. And you're obviously, you know, uh, working with us today on powering jobs in Nigeria. I'm just curious, you know, what advice do you have for other young people who are interested in working in energy access?
0: That's a very great question because, you know, so many times people think I'm an engineer. I'm sure you get that a lot, too, in your position. Um, and, you know, it takes a, a concerted <laughs> describing of you don't have to be an engineer to be in this sector and to make a career out of it. Um, I'm a lawyer by training. That's my first degree. I, yes, I went on to get other degrees, including an MBA. Um, but at the core, a lot of my initial qualifications were in law. Um and then what that has has done for me coming into the sector was I came into the energy access sector from the regulatory and policy um, angle, and but you cannot be in the energy access sector without even understanding some of the underlying principles of energy and how it's generated and you know <laughs> how it's distributed. So you learn those things on the job, even if what you have is a political science degree. Um, but it is so it is so um, multifaceted that you can find somebody who even studied French as a first language getting a, a career in this sector. In our organization, I think we have, I think, about 40% of the persons that work with us at Clean Tech Hub are engineers, and everybody else is a non-engineer. And And, you know, we're all doing okay. We're all doing okay. So one of the things we do when we talk to people is to say, listen, think about... Even your your big traditional utility companies or your oil and gas companies, you have people who have read several things or who studied several things who are working in those industries. Or even think about tech, right? The tech industry. There are people who have studied several things that are not necessarily tech geeks or or even um, know how to code, but are finding careers there. So, and I think those sort of things are the things that the narratives that the powering job campaign. Um, it's telling because it's telling the story of where the skills gap are, but who can cover those skills gap and how we can use those uh, those human capital uh, to, to actually address the energy access challenge across different sectors, across different income levels, across different literacy levels as well.
1: Yeah. Well, and when you joined us, and I mean, still true today, Power for All has been majority female, um, female led, female run. And I remember at one point, you know, William Brent was the only man on our entire team. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that takes a brave human being. Um, yes, we
0: brave, that's for
1: sure. <laughs> but, I'm, you know, I'm curious, sort of, was that different for you? I mean, there's so many powerful women, um, you know, Dami Lola being one of them, that have come out of Nigeria or are working in Nigeria. And um, but I know that you know you were set up, all the country directors were female. Um, and um, and I know what you were saying about you know being empowered, but that was that was always the design, right? The the idea of power for all is that we as as sort of you know the keeper of the global campaigns, we're always focused on trying to really empower people at the country level, upskill them, support them, but you know really enable them to change their own countries. And um, and it's great when that's women. And I'm just curious, sort of as a woman in this sector, you know, have you what have you seen? Like, how are we treating each other? You know, as women in this sector, what are you doing to bring up other women? And um, and when do we know that it'll be job done and we don't have to, you know, keep making such an extra focused effort to, to really mainstream women in our sector? Yeah.
0: Oh, there's there several questions in there. Um, and let me take them one after the other. You know, I, I think what power for all did was innovative because before we came in, when before power for all came into Nigeria, um, a lot of the DRE companies, the decentralized renewable energy companies that were part of our network, um, we're also not really hiring women. I, I remember one very prominent uh, mini-grid company that had so many staff and uh, no woman. There. I think there were about 60 staff and there was no woman. And I remember walking in there, I think it was 2017, for something we were doing. Um, and I said, you don't have women here, really? And you're a power-for-all partner? <laughs> Um, but you know, and that has changed now that with that particular company, I, they have a, I think a 45% uh, female workforce right now. Um, but this is the, this is the power of what we did because, you know, one of the things we started to do was not just preach inclusivity at power for all, whether at the global or country levels, um, but we're also doing it. So people were seeing the faces of women as the drivers, um, in this organization, Right. And it was women who could hold their own forth. So it wasn't just you know uh, uh, you know a quarter that we were filling. We were actually women who knew what we were doing, um, and then using that to actually attract other women into the sector because you know representation matters. I, I can't tell you how many times we went to events um, where people would say to us, "Wow, you have like five or six women with you working in the in the energy access sector." um we didn't know that we could find jobs we didn't know we could find women you know in those and the more women there are the more comfortable it is for more women to come in because you know they feel like you have gender inclusive policies that you're it's a kind organization um so we were not just talking we were not just preaching we were also showing and doing um in terms of what we're doing now at power for all we deliberately hire women i'm not shy to say that And what that does is, you know, it shows other organizations that are up and coming um, that they can do the same. Um, And because we're trying to also figure out how to make it more inclusive, we're not even just stopping at hiring women. We now have a disability uh, policy where, you know, uh, people with disability are are encouraged to please come work with us. And we try to make accommodations for them uh, as they're working with us and finding work that they enjoy doing in the energy access sector. So, again, going back from where Power for All came from and how it influenced the sector and issues around gender, we started talking about gender and gender mainstreaming and gender inclusivity when it wasn't sexy to do so. Um, now, almost every other company that is in in the energy access space, in the decentralized renewable energy um, space, uh, has a gender policy. Um, and you would see in their job ads, women are encouraged to apply. But these were things we advocated for under the Power for All and campaigns, um, and then it cut on. Um, and now, you know, every other organization is doing it. Clean Tech Hub has adopted that model. Thanks to Power for All, we learned from that. Um, and when we hire women, our women stay. You know, some of our longest serving staff, four years, five years, are all women. Um, and that helps with stability and growth in the organization. Yeah,
1: that's awesome, Ify. I'm just... I'm so proud of you and you know I I was saying this to somebody the other day that one of the biggest sources for of pride for me in this work is seeing the number and the diversity of alumni from Power for All that have gone on to do amazing things and continue to stay in the sector. In fact, almost everybody has gone on to great jobs supporting access to energy and that's that's wonderful. That's how it's supposed to work and you know, you know, on that, uh, energy access. So Nigeria is sort of one of the big donor darlings right now, a hotbed of investment and activity. Uh, I'm curious, to, like, take us through the changes. I mean, you've been in the middle of it there now for seven years. Um, what have you seen in the landscape of energy access? How has it changed and evolved since you started working with us all those years ago?
0: Another a great question. Um... So let me start from you know the the programmatic um, aspect of the energy asset sector. Um, one of the things we've done, one of the things we've seen, I, I think when Power for All came into the country again, you know there were lots of gaps, there were lots of um, uncertainties around the policy and regulatory environment. All of that got sorted out, um, you know, a year or two in uh, when we, when we came into the country. Um, and then there was a lot of work around mini grids and getting mini grids started and getting them, you know, up and going. Um, SHS, you know, the whole SHS uh, uh, sector was already up and going, but now it's, it's taking off on a life of its own. But where we're seeing new innovations and new incursions in this sector is around things that I think are going to fundamentally change how we use energy in the next three to five years. So take, for instance, there's a lot of talk around e-mobility, um, and that's beginning to catch on with a lot of the big names beginning to look at uh, how, that envir- how that ecosystem and environment can be built. And finding our, our energy access companies here, actually tapping into that, working with big um, automobile companies who are now looking to make electric cars. So helping them with providing the batteries and charging stations. This is now becoming a big thing, um, especially in the northern part of the country. Then you have a lot of work around productive use. Um, Again, to support the mini grid sector and make it more viable. But it's already also taking off life of its own because we're now having a lot of work around uh, productive use appliances um, and how to create uh, financing for those. Um, And again, how to uh, to match it with uh, mini grids in the communities where they would be um, most affordable Um, and so the whole, and that is also changing the trajectory of the mini grid sector in some ways, um, because then you're not, you're not only looking at rural mini grids, you're also looking at, um, peri-urban mini grids, um, and how that can then, how those productive use appliances can then be deployed in, in clusters in, that are in peri-urban communities. Um, then you have a lot of work around agriculture, you know, that's also tied to productive use. Um, so a lot of partnerships with a lot of agro-allied industries, a lot of, you know, agro-allied cooperatives, um, and looking at how to help grow um, the food that we eat, and then also help those farms run sustainable farms, uh, you know, using the mini-grids and the micro-grids that are, are, are powering them. So when you have a constellation of all of these things, you you now see that we're not just providing act- access to energy we're now talking about livelihoods because you're now talking about you know improving people's lives um, creating jobs which is why the Powering Jobs Report is really important and interesting to us and also the Nigerian government because there's a lot of been a lot of chatter um, that's beginning to go on as we, we talk about those reports. Interestingly it came up at some meetings that we went to with some of the governments that were part of the steering committee meetings to say we're really interested at some of the numbers and data uh, for obvious reasons because it's going to help with planning right? Um, and, and so when you have a constellation of all of these things, you're now not just talking of giving people power and electricity. You're actually talking of livelihoods, how you're helping families, you know, live, you know, healthy, wholesome lives, how they ha- people are creating jobs and employment, how people are, you know, um, sending their kids to school. Um, and so that's the that's the trajectory that we're seeing, that we're no longer sort of trying to build um, just a power, electricity, energy access, industry, uh, using decentralized renewable energy that we're actually giving people means to livelihood, uh, and I think that's an important point to make so that people know um, how these things are evolving. And, and so, you know, with with all of these evolutions that are taking place in the energy access sector, from the mini grid sector to the standalone home solar system sector, and moving into the productive use. Um, and agricultural ag- agricultural sector, um, you're finding that you know there's a lot more potential in in the decentralized renewable energy sector, and it's a sector that is going to add significantly to Nigeria's economic um, stability and progress. Um, so it's a it's really an exciting time to be here. But we still need to watch our connection numbers, and you know the number of connections that we're having. We're not hitting the sort of milestones we need to hit to to meet SDG seven. Um, so there's a lot of work going on to sort of recalibrate in terms of, you know, the metrics and what we need to do to make sure that we're we're on track for SDG 7 in some ways.
1: Yeah. Well, and just I'm always curious um, on your point of view about what happens when you have such an influx of donor interest in the country. And uh, honestly, I, f- I feel like, you know, Nigeria and Ethiopia right now are just getting flooded with capital. And there's a couple things that come along with that, right? Which is A, you know, are we spending that money in the highest and best priorities? B, where I'd really like to hear from you on is uh, how are people from a partnership perspective? You know, what is your advice for either new CSOs or new companies trying to do business in Nigeria or donors who have suddenly figured that they wanna add their money uh, to the pool of capital that's floating around the, the country. Um, Nigeria is obviously a very particular unique situation. Um, and there's probably different ways of doing business there. So maybe from the perspective of advice for anyone who wants to, you know, throw their hat in the ring to help Nigeria reach its access numbers, what sort of advice would you have?
0: Um, so, you know, on this donor, the influx of donor funds, I mean, it depends on who you ask. If you're asking the developers themselves, Christina, they're going to tell you we're not seeing the money. A lot of that donor funding is going to technical assistance, and that's not what we need. We need money to deploy projects, right? Um, and then you, you're talking to those of us that are in the CSO um, enabling environment space, um, and we're seeing the money, and then we're saying, well, you know, there's there's a lot of donor money that's coming in, and it's probably going to be distorting the market. So there are two different points of view when it comes to this donor funding in a country like Nigeria, however i will say that one of the things that i think has happened is that there's been a flock of a, 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 flux, a an influx of investors um coming into nigeria recently and doing commercial level projects in the dre sector um you know and there's a there's an investors group investors coordination group where many of them come together to talk about the numbers, what they're finding, the kind of things, the bottlenecks and challenges, and obviously the kind of companies or projects that they want to invest in. So this is why the amount of companies that we had when we we were running Power for All in Nigeria have gone from about, I think, about 30, 35. We now have, I think, just on the mini-grid space, we have over 100 and something mini-grid companies alone. Um, to say nothing of standalone home solar systems. Not all of them are, you know, like the big ones that are known are well-structured, but they're there. People are now seeing that this is a viable sector, that they can come in and make money. Um, so in terms of advising new entrants into the sector, whether you're coming in as a developer or whether you're coming in as an investor, there's a lot of material to, to, to work on. One of the things that we're trying to do at for is to create a primer. A primer that would help people understand the ABCs of what you need to do when you're trying to come in from when you need to register the licensing with NERC, um, applying for you know the World Bank RBF or whatever, what kind of investors pack do you need to put uh, put together? Who are potential investors that are looking at Nigeria already existing? Like just a primer that can help people understand the basics, um, because we think that that would be helpful. But we also know that you know the Rural Electrification Agency. Uh, through the World Bank NEP program, um, has a, a one-stop 24-hours desk. Uh, you know, they, they do something online as well so that if people can't come in physically, there's some online support where you can go to NERC, you can go to uh, NEMSER, which is the other licensing uh, authority, and you can go to the Ministry of Environment for those who need EIA to, to sort of soothe over all of the, the bureaucracy and the bottlenecks you might, you might face. Um, trying to apply or get licensing and, and, and things there. But I think even having enough information about the country you're coming into and what the status quo of the business is, the business environment is, I think is critical, which is why we encourage people to re- read all the market reports that are being churned out by different organizations, sister organizations. Power for All has a lot of reports on its website. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but, you know, yeah, and they can come talk to us too if they want to. So that's Clean Tech Hub is there to provide any sort of support and information if they need yeah, it. Yeah,
1: that's fantastic. And I just have to point out that when you started your answer, you said power for all, but I think you meant Clean Tech Hub. <laughs> which just warms my heart because once a power for all person you're always a power for all
0: person Actually, I, to be honest with you i clean tech hub really is an offshoot of power for all you know so i feel like no i don't feel like i've ever i i st- still don't feel like i've left power for all it's funny because you know sometimes we're at meetings and i keep on referring to power for all you know when power for all did this when we did that when we did this and st- you know like and people are like but power for all is not in nigeria and i'm like yes they are
1: Hello. <laughs> we don't want to be here. <laughs> so, so, but on this, let's actually talk about global versus local. So, um, you know, I think one of the, uh, new sort of echoing themes that we've heard from Essie for All um, since Dami Lola took over is the importance of really investing in local companies. And I was shocked, I didn't realize there were 100 mini grid companies in Nigeria. That's massive. Um, and, you know, and there's beginning to now be some funds that are solely being dedicated on funding local companies. Do you think that local companies have an advantage over some of the large global firms that are, you know, venture backed and, you know, have all sorts of cash in their piggy banks? Um, Do you think there's a role for both in Nigeria? Maybe walk us through the global versus local uh, developer conversation.
0: That's a tricky one. Um, (laughs) You know, Nigeria is a a sort of... a unique country on its own, we, we're very prideful people. I mean, you should know that you, you worked with me, I worked with you, so. <laughs> but uh, we're very prideful people. We, we, you know, like we have the self-confidence of, you know, you a know, hundred people in one person. Um, so when you have that sort of, you know, national culture, or per, you know, persona, um, and you're working in an electricity, in this sector that is very competitive, um, one of the things that you hear when you talk about the local versus global is the local people feel like we were doing this work even before uh, decentralized renewable energy became a thing, right? So invest in us. Why do you wh- it may help us grow and reach those communities you want to reach? Um, the, 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 the other side of it is that our local companies haven't quite structured themselves enough to receive the sort of capital that can help them grow. And we've seen that when we've done pitch contests and, you know, accelerator programs with them, trying to get them investment ready or impact ready. So how are they going to, to face an investment committee? Um, and then, you know, when we're doing this mock, um, mock pitches, you see where the gaps are. Um, where we're trying to run through their paperwork and their accounting and finance framework, you see that there are still huge gaps. So the first thing is, how do we get the locals to structure? Because that's how they're going to, to get more access to capital. On the other hand, the foreign companies have a huge advantage. They're able to go to Silicon Valley and raise money. They're able to talk to venture capitalists, venture capital um, companies across the globe and raise money um, in a way that the local ones who are even well structured cannot do. Um, and so that's where a bit of the, the tension and, and the dichotomy comes in. Um, I think what's happening now is that we're that, that competition is good. But I'm hoping that there will be a time, we'll get to that space, and I feel I feel like that's coming where the local and the, the foreign companies are going to begin to partner together. I'm happy that there are foreign companies here because, again, they're providing employment. I mean, we have foreign companies that are hiring, have about 150 persons on their staff, mostly Nigerians. Um, and the more we have those Nigerians and those foreign companies, the, the more they build the, the competency and capacity. It's, it's pretty much what Power for All did, Right. You came into the country, you hired people like me, She uh, came, Taina, you know, invested in us, built us up, and then now we've gone out to do several other things. Um, so it's the same model I think the foreign companies are sort of adopting. They're hiring good people here. Uh, you know, they're doing work here. They're electrifying communities here. Um, as long as they're treating their staff well and and they're doing work that is impactful, um, you know. Uh, it's, it's, it's all well and good, but I, I also do think that there should be space and consideration given to local companies, especially the ones that have done the work to structure their companies properly. That's my answer.
1: Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. Um, and I hope she uh, doesn't mind a name check on the power for all podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, um, yeah, let me just ask a few more questions then we've got to land this plane. Um, so partnership is really important. That's something that we've sort of laid out and you, you set the, the stage uh, for this idea of, you know, maybe a global company coming in uh, to help advance you know, this global cause we all care about, which is ending energy poverty and finding the right, right way to partner locally. Are there any sort of ins and outs uh, that you might maybe your top three lessons learned about partnering, um, whether it's, you know, between CSO to CSO or business to business? What are the things that people need to know about partnering with uh, local Nigerian companies or leaders?
0: I will speak, I will answer that question specifically from the Clean Tech Hub perspective. I mean, I I don't know about uh, several other, you know, the NGOs and how, how, they operate when it comes to partnerships. Um, but we we want to be um, approached with um respect so that we know what we're doing, right? We we want to be acknowledged at Clean Tech Hub as experts. Um and yes, we might be local, but please understand that we're still the ones who know the country, we know the industry, we know the players, and we know the communities. We understand the language of doing business in Nigeria. So when you're you're coming to us please have that at the back of your mind because one of the things i struggle with personally is when people come um and you know there's there's a bit of uh what's the right word to use now condensation right um you know uh because they're bigger they're bigger organizations they 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 have better backing and better financing um, so you get a, a sense of condensation when when people come in and are trying to to discuss partnerships. No, it's not. It wouldn't work with us. So if you're not acknowledging that you're looking for experts who are going to do your work and do it well, um, then maybe we're not the ones that you know you want to be partnering with. So that's the first thing. Please research the companies that you want to partner with and and know what their their credentials are and their, what they have to offer. The second thing I would say is, please give them autonomy. Um, one of the things that I think uh, creates a lot of tension when you want to partner with local organizations like us is when you want to tell us also how to do it in Nigeria. Um, the reason why you're hiring us really is because you think we we are Nigerians and you think we know how to do it. But then don't micromanage. Because what that does is it creates another level of, you know, <laughs> another level of how many things are we going just. Set up For me, set for us at Clean Tech Ops, tell us what your end goal is um, and then how we get there within the parameters of your own. You know, we don't want to do anything that is uh, not within your own organization's uh, policies, um, but just give us the big picture and we'll try and get there. Trying to navigate all of the bureaucracies and all of the idiosyncrasies, um, both from government and even the, the doing business in Nigeria thing. So don't don't micromanage too much. Give us autonomy, and I, I have to thank you, Christina, because that was something you did so well, so so well, um, and that's the that's what actually made me become the leader that I am today. And it's how I also approach my team. I just tell them go and run with it. Don't you know? This is the result. This is what we want to see. Just go get it. Um, call me if there's any problem, but it's all yours to, <laughs> to manage.
1: Yeah, that is actually a great segue to our last couple of questions and. Um, You know, we've gotten a whole bunch of fresh faces at Power for All. And I think it can be a little jarring for people um, when they first walk into the virtual doors of the organization, um, both the pace, the urgency, the intensity, um, uh, and also the empowerment. And that's actually something I know some of our newer uh, hires have really kind of uh, had to take a second look at. So, what advice do you have for people new to Power for All, trying to figure out what to do with all this power and authority they've been given to make a difference in the world?
0: Ah, oh no, that one is easy. Just take a lot of coffee. Um, prepare for it. <laughs> 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 no, no, no. I'm just kidding. Um, but no, but that's a serious question because I think. <laughs> You know, I told you the story of when I asked Charlie Miller, um, you know, I think a month or six weeks into my role at Popper, I was like, is it ever going to slow down? And he goes, nope. (laughs) No, but seriously, I I think it's also, you know, it's a clash of culture. I'm not sure, Christina, but remember all of the country, almost all your country directors had lived in the U.S. and had lived outside the country or maybe trained outside the country at some level. So maybe that helped. Um, but not, but that's not to say that you know wherever you are you, you once you're given that sort of a mantle to go and be a change maker in your country you can take it and run with it. In our case, and, and I struggle with the same things you struggle with, where I have people who are, have not been used to being given that sort of autonomy. I think it's a consistent uh, training. Um, I'm not sure if that's still going on, but also I'm not sure also what the structure is. You know, in in my time, we had the country director who could feed us, who acted like our therapist sometimes. So we would go <laughs> would go talk to him about all the frustrations of navigating government or some of the developers who were making life difficult for us, and then we'll come back and strategize. Um, but even more important is for people to also take their own self-development seriously. Um, and it's something that I preach within our organization. You, you, if you feel like there is something that you need to help you do your job well, whether it's a training, whether it's some sort of capacity building, please tell your, your, your managers or your, your line managers, because they are not clairvoyants. They're not going to know what you need until you communicate with them, um, so that you get supported. So speak up so that you get that support to do your work. And lastly, they also just have to read. One of the things I also tell my team, because I have a pretty young team, um, Is that there is nothing you cannot do if you look at some of the people who are leading different sectors in nigeria even across africa they're within our age range our age group there's nothing you cannot do if you've prepared if you have not prepared if you have not read you don't know the numbers you don't know the energy access numbers the number of connections in nigeria you know then you haven't started you have to have the information and data at the tips of your finger but that also requires you to do a lot of preparation so just keep pushing people and then encouraging them at the same time at some point, you know things will balance out they they'll get used to it in another couple of you know months. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, look. Um, my last opportunity for you to comment today is, of course, it is our birthday. Um, so it's sort of your birthday too. But um, (laughs) yeah, I just wanted to give you a chance to offer uh, well wishes, happy birthday wishes, not just to the current Power for All team, but also the extended alumni. Now that um, you know, we're all connected, uh, behind the scenes. So, what sort of birthday wishes do you have for the power for all family?
0: It's interesting that the power for all is just seven. Don't you feel like it's been around forever? Like, (laughs) I'm not sure how to
1: interpret that, but
0: (laughs) and it's a good thing. You know, like I feel like it's a good thing, but to, to even be, um, you know, I don't want to get emotional and cry. So I'm just going to try and, and keep it short. I don't think that people don't also know how small power for all is. You know, they think it's this gigantic, conglomerates that has its tentacles all over the place. Um, so for those of us who've been part of the family and know that you're working with a group of small but committed individuals um, that are putting in 150%, 300% sometimes uh, to do the work that you're doing, it's incredible what you've uh, what we've all achieved in the past seven years it's really incredible when I, I look back and i think about it um but even more important it goes back to what you said it is the people that you have built um and the lives that you have impacted so take ife for one you you took me brought me into this organization taught me trained me pushed me um and set me out there and now i have i think about 35 other people working with me not to talk about twenty the 20 <laughs> alumni that have passed through our doors So, you know, by extension, you have 55 people who Power for All has impacted. Without that opportunity that was given to me um, six, seven years ago, I wouldn't be here. You know, I might have been doing something else, but I I don't know that I would be here today. So when we say happy birthday, um, you know, it's not just us blowing out candles and cakes. It's us saying, yeah, damn, we did that, you know, so... We really did. And it's because of the leadership that you provide, Christina. So congratulations and happy birthday to all of us.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much, Ify. Well, uh, I can't imagine a higher note to end our podcast on today. So thank you all for listening. Um, a reminder that you can find a wealth of sector news, analysis, and data on our website at powerforall.org, as well as the platform for energy access knowledge or PEAK. You can also sign up to receive our monthly newsletter. And if you'd like to support our work, you can always make a donation via our homepage. So uh, until our next podcast and, you know, don't wait until next year to wish us happy birthday. Speak to you soon. Um, And we'll see you on the next episode of the Power for All podcast. Thank you.